0: The reading for today is taken from Mark chapter 10 verses 46 to 52. Blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. Then when they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, as we look at this, this story, this encounter between Bartimaeus and Jesus, Father, would you speak to us through it? Would you speak to us all individually, just for where we are at in our walk with you? Amen. So this morning we're continuing this theme of um, looking at Mark's gospel linked to some of the themes of the Olympics. And I don't know how much sport you've watched this week, I've watched quite a lot, but not as much as I really wanted to because I've had to work as well. But I've always had the, uh, don't tell anyone Sally, the BBC text, um, message, the, uh, text commentary on the side of my desktop just so I can keep abreast of everything. Sally's sworn to silence. Um, now, I, I, one of the things I really like about the Olympics is the fact that we get to see so many different sports that we don't normally see on TV, things like trap shooting and even canoeing and rowing. We don't see much of that apart from the Olympics. And um, I'm lucky enough tomorrow to be going down to the Olympic Park to watch handball. Now, I've never seen handball in my life before, so I thought I'd better watch some before going down. And it's really quite violent. And it's really fast. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, an amazing sport. But what all of the Olympic competitors have in common whether they're world-famous athletes like Usain Bolt or Jess Ennis, now she's a world-famous athlete, definitely, um, or an unknown Lithuanian handball player, what they all have in common is the fact they spent the last four years training and shaping themselves mentally and physically for this fortnight. And what struck me most in some of the interviews that uh, we've heard are the stories of youngsters training early in the morning, doing a full day at school and then training late at night. And all of those interviews have three threads running through them. Firstly, there's a determination to to succeed and a persistence in the way that they go about it. Secondly, there's faith in their coach or their teacher and the talent they've got. And thirdly, they talk about the gratitude, the gratitude whether it's to their parents who ferried them around places and sacrificed lots for them or to the PE teacher or the coach who first inspired them. All of those things together have shaped and molded them for this moment in their lives. Now our theme this morning is shaping the team. And we're, on, we're looking at this short encounter that Bartimaeus had with Jesus. And the way that that encounter shaped Bartimaeus and set the tone for the last week of Jesus' ministry. Before we get into the detail of the encounter, let's just set the scene. Now, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem, where a week or so later, he'd be crucified, and there are huge crowds of pilgrims making their own way to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So we can picture hot, dusty, crowded streets leading out to the gate of Jericho, which is about 15 miles of a, a day's journey from Jerusalem. This is a kind of holiday time, and Jesus is heading determinedly towards Jerusalem, And as the crowds pass through the gates, a blind man, who people would be familiar with and who many would know by name, starts calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And we heard the rest of the encounter when Laura brought our reading to us a moment or two ago. Although the encounter that we heard was quite quite a short one, I think there's quite a lot going on here between Jesus and Bartimaeus. The first thing to notice is that Bartimaeus Bartimaeus is that he's very determined when the crowd told him to be quiet he shouted all the more There were lots of reasons why it was wasn't likely that Bartimaeus should meet Jesus First of all there was a big crowd of people all pressing past so just the practical issue of getting close to Jesus would be difficult and Bartimaeus literally cannot see he can't see what's going to happen it's a leap of faith with some risk involved All he has to go on is what he's heard. Probably a very sketchy image, but he may well have heard about Jesus healing a couple of blind men. But to make it even harder, his attempt is strongly slapped down by lots of people. Mark tells us many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And this probably came from lots of people who were offended by him using the term son of David, because the Jews said son of David was the Messiah. The word that Mark uses, rebuke, means that they were were probably judging him and were telling him to be quiet in a sharp and stinging way. Whoever was telling him to shut up, the result was that he shouted even louder, keeping on in the face of criticism, obstacles, and people's opinions. In many ways, Bartimaeus exemplifies some of Jesus' earlier teaching. In the Sermon on the Mount, on prayer, Jesus exhorts us to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But that passage means much more than a one off ask, or a one off seek or a knock. It's written in a way that means keep on doing something that you're already doing. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. In the same way that these Olympic athletes keep on training even in the middle of winter and at the dark times in their lives, we need to continue to be persistent in our relationship with God. We should keep on asking, keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Bartimaeus showed in the way he was persistent enough to ignore what the crowd was saying and to reach his goal to get Jesus to notice him. The second thing to notice about Bartimaeus is his faith. As I mentioned earlier, the Olympic athletes show huge amounts of faith, both in their own ability and in the training regime that their coaches put them through. When they're on the starting line, they have faith that all their training and preparation will help them get them to the finish in first place. So what about Bartimaeus? Jesus Jesus said to him, as he said to many others through the Gospels, your faith has healed you. You see, here is this blind man. Sat by the side of the road, and despite all the hustle and bustle, he calls out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's not there being shy and retiring, whispering who he believes Jesus is. He's shouting it, you are the Son of David, effectively saying, you are the Messiah. How do we display our faith? How do we show that we are part of Team Jesus? Now, I'm not suggesting that we... All start literally shouting it as we walk down the streets. Some of us might get arrested. Um, But we do have to put our faith into practice at work, down the shops, having coffee with our neighbor. Jesus has called us on an adventure with him. If we are to be part of his team, then we need to start flexing and stretching our faith muscles. Now, as I'm sure you can tell, I go to the gym regularly and play football. You can tell that, can't you? No? My wife said you'd say that. If I have a few weeks without doing anything, I notice two things. First of all, I get a bit flabby or a bit flabbier around the middle. And then secondly, when I do go back and and play a game of football or or do a spin class, I get exhausted really quickly. Faith is just the same. If we don't exercise it regularly, it becomes flabby or tired. The writer to the Hebrews gives us a great definition of faith. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He then follows this definition with uh, stories of men and women through Jewish history that have been examples of faith, from Abraham to Moses and many others. And as he says, I don't have time to tell of all the examples. But what does that mean for us? How are we to demonstrate our faith? How do we flex our faith muscles and get ourselves in shape? Last week, Tim was talking about being called, about taking our place as a member of Team Jesus. He said this, if you or I want to be a part of something big, and I mean really big, to be sent by him to to declare his love wherever we are, then we have one simple task to begin with, be with him. This is where we start and finish our faith journey. To be able to share our faith, to be able to act in a way that naturally speaks the truth of Jesus. When we're at school, on holiday, at home, we need to be listening to him, learning from him, acting on his call on our lives. It's the same for the athletes that we're watching on TV this week. The reason they can cycle around that track faster than they've ever done before, or win a rowing event by a whisker, is because they have been with their coaches day in and day out. It's that that gives them faith in their abilities and the reason they can be certain of of the outcome. If we spend time with our coach, Jesus, then we can begin to understand the call that he has on our lives. One of the questions from my home group notes this week was, what has Jesus sent you to do? And it was great to hear of all the different things, uh, from our jobs, to our home life, from running Alpha courses, to street pastors. That's what's great about showing faith. It's something that is vital to our spiritual health, but it's possible to do in every single moment of our lives. Now, I don't know how many of you watched the rowing yesterday morning, um, but the British double skulls, the women's double skulls, I have to say, the picture of the uh, girl rowing bow, when they won, just her mouth wide open, of amazement, was, was fantastic, and it's plastered across the papers this morning. But um, after their win, they were interviewed by uh, John Inverdale on, on the TV, and Catherine said, Catherine Copeland said this, I don't want this to sound like the Oscars, but I just want to say a massive thank you to my mum and dad. And then she goes on to say about her coaches and all that sort of, all the support that she's had through her, few, she's only been rowing for three or four years or something silly like that, and, um, and the people that have helped her through those difficult times. And the third thing that Bartimaeus did, was to show gratitude, he showed thanks to Jesus. After being healed, Mark tells us that he followed Jesus along the way. Now, what that often meant in biblical times was that he literally became a disciple of Jesus. It wasn't just sort of wandered down the road with him, but he followed Jesus, that's what it meant. His gratitude for that healing was so great that he dropped everything and followed him. Jesus had given Bartimaeus a new life, a new chance, A new start, a new vision, a new hope. And that's also what he's given us. But how grateful are we for the life and the things he has given us? Paul in 1 Thessalonians says this, Be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And to try and illustrate what Paul meant, by all circumstances. I want to read an excerpt from uh, the book The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. And it's about her time in a, a German um, prison camp in, during the war. The move to permanent quarters came the second week in October. We were marched 10 abreast along the wide Cinder Avenue. Several times the column halted while numbers were read out. Names were never used at Ravensbrück. At last, Betsy's and mine were called. We stepped out of line with a dozen or so others and stared at the long grey front of Barracks 28. Betsy and I followed a prisoner guide through the door at the right. Because of the broken windows, the vast room was in semi-twilight. Our noses told us first that the place was filthy. Somewhere, plumbing had backed up. The bedding was soiled and rancid. We followed our guide, single file. The aisle was not wide enough for two fighting back the claustrophobia of these platforms rising everywhere above us. At last, she pointed to a second tier in the centre of a large block. To reach it, we had to stand on the bottom level, haul ourselves up and then crawl across three other straw-covered platforms to reach the one that we would share with... how many? The deck above us was too close to let us sit up. We lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. Suddenly I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Here, and here, another one. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? And I heard Betsy, show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize that she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corrie, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, and I took the Bible from its pouch. It was first Thessalonians, I said. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is, comfort the frightened, help the weak, Be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly to Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corrie. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances that's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room, such as I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh yes, Lord Jesus, such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy, thank you for the very crowding here, since we're so packed packed so close that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corrie, she prodded. Oh, all right, thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and for... The fleas? This was too much, Betsy. This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. We're probably not in similar situations or circumstances. Yet sometimes I find we all find it, I'm sure we all find it very hard to be thankful to God. It takes a matter of will, of determination, and of faith to be thankful, even for the fleas. So, what does this brief encounter between Bartimaeus and Jesus have to teach us? Firstly, Bartimaeus displayed persistence despite the efforts of others. Are we persistent in our relationship with Jesus? Do we keep on asking, Keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Secondly, Bartimaeus showed faith in Jesus as the Son of God. And because of that faith, he was healed. Are we showing our faith in our words and our actions wherever we are, at work, at home, or on holiday? Finally, Bartimaeus was so grateful that he dropped everything and followed Jesus. Are we always thankful to God for everything he has given us, whatever the circumstances. Let's pray. Father, may we be inspired by this story of the healing of Bartimaeus and also by the athletes we see as we watch the Olympics on TV. May they always remind us that we need to be persistent in our relationship with you, that we need to find opportunities to flex our faith muscles and that we should never fail to express our gratitude to you always. Amen.